0: We also would love to connect with you on our social media on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family. So great to see you. Well, guess what? We're almost at the end. And by the end, I mean just only online. We're going to stay online, yes, but we're coming back live next Sunday, February 6th. And we hope to see you at our official Official launch day at our new venue. Uh, New time, which is really the original time, 10 a.m. Come a little early. Hang out in the lobby with us. 9.30, doors open. We'd love to see you. It is at Overflow Brewery. Yes, it's a brewery slash bar. I always said one day I think we'll have church and a bar, and this is that season. So we hope to see your face next week. And so many people, you know, are asking like, do we have a, a kids program? Do we have a youth program? And this program, and that program. I just want to say this is that you know, being that we were off meeting uh, physically for almost two years without a physical location, just online. We're having to rebuild a little bit. This is going to be a rebuilding season. So we're just asking, and we I know we've been saying this over and over again, to give us grace as we rebuild in the process. And so as far as those questions, we're encouraging the youth to stay in the worship, to stay in the experience with us. Yes, we will have something. We're working on it eventually, but not right away. And so we're just asking for grace in that area. And pray with us as we rebuild all these elements of uh of the local church part of what we do as well for kids we do have a family room and uh you know we invite you if you have kids to come and be with your kids in that family room you can also keep your kids in the experience it might get a little crazy um keep them in the worship but hey we're we're willing to work uh with you and be flexible in this season and just we want to have you there but if you don't feel comfortable yet you know Online is still going to exist just as it has. And so stay at home with your kids, watch online, and uh, we will continue to update you. As we rebuild slowly, we will have all these programs up and running again before you know it. So pray with us and let's continue to believe God to rebuild together, especially if you're on the ground with us. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited uh, for today because really it's a day setting us up for our official launch. You know, we had our soft launch last Sunday and it was amazing. It really exceeded my expectations on every level. It had been two years since we really gathered and uh, it was amazing. And so I can't wait for next Sunday and to see all your faces. Today, I want to talk about a subject that I love talking about. And it's around the this idea of how we are to live out in our life, kingdom life. Living out life is very different than living out kingdom life. And I wanna talk about kingdom. I wanna talk about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. We hear it said over and over again in New Testament scripture, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, which really they, they're they synonymous with one another. And I wanna talk a little bit about this. What is the kingdom? What do you think about when you think of the kingdom? Well, the word kingdom itself means king's domain. The domain of the king, the place, the realm with which the king of kings himself, Jesus himself, lives. What do you think about? Do you think about what John describes in the book of Revelation? The sea of glass like crystal, the throne, the rainbow, thunderings and lightnings. Um, You think about the animals, the creatures that live within the kingdom. You think about Uh, The fact that there's no depression, no sickness, no disease in the kingdom. Well, I mean, Jesus gave us a command. He gave us an instruction before he died to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. said, when you pray, pray this way, that my kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. That my domain, the place where I dwell, would enter your stratosphere and actually influence and transform the culture around you. Paul gives us a charge to be ambassadors and citizens. We are citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom, ambassadors of the kingdom. We are called to represent the kingdom, be gateways, doorways to the kingdom. Jesus, on his death and resurrection, gave us an all access pass to the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, We can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. How can we access the kingdom at any time when we are in need if we haven't been given access? So, this charge, this encouragement, just is a signpost for us that this is our place, this is our purpose. We are to live out kingdom life. And I, I want to bring us to uh, chapter 14 of the book of Romans. Paul, the apostle, is writing to the church at Rome. And in chapter 14, he's talking about, just to give you a little bit of context, which which is where I want to go today. He's talking about this battle between people and what they're eating and what they're drinking and all these peripherals, all these external things, these external behaviors. You know, some people are offended that some people are eating this and, and drinking this and doing this. And there's this battle going on. And Peter addresses, or Paul, sorry, addresses what kingdom is not about and then addresses what it is about. And I want to read this in chapter 14 of the book of Romans, verses 17 to 19. Says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others. In other words, if you have these three elements at the forefront of your focus when it comes to living out kingdom life, you will please God and others will approve of you, verse 19. So then, so since we got that out of the way, since we have an understanding of these three elements, these three aspects of kingdom life, so then he says, let us aim, let our target, Okay, let our focus, our purpose be for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Harmony, unity, connection, you know, being of one mind, one purpose, moving together and building people up along the way come out of or as a result of this understanding of living out kingdom life through peace, goodness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the only time, okay? This is the only time and only use of this expression, the kingdom of God, in the whole entire book of Romans. And every time in any book of the Bible, when something is mentioned once or the first time, it's very important to look at. I think this is a very important wedge that Paul places near the end of the book in Romans chapter 14 to give us a glimpse into how we are to live our lives out. So I want to talk today briefly on what I believe are the pillars write this down, the pillars of building, the pillars of building. And God, I believe this. It's a word for all of us. It's a word for you, for your business, for your family, for your relationships, for us as a house, the church, the local church at large, globally, big C church, small C church. It's a word for us that in this season, God wants us to do it right. He wants us to build right. And so God, I just pray this morning that we would get a hold of this truth these truths that you want to bring us into to build in this season whether it's family whether we're rebuilding a broken family and there's we're hoping for restoration or it's business that's kind of broken down a little bit or organizationally in our life or organizations we lead or or any career any vocation any area of relationships God Any area that we're called to build, which is every area of our life, I pray that you'd give us a glimpse into what kingdom looks like in those areas and help us to really retain and receive these truths about these three aspects of how we are to build moving forward, these pillars of building in Jesus' name. And so, you know, like what Paul the Apostle was addressing in this opening passage, it's so easy And speaking of like the eating and the drinking, like what you're eating and what you're drinking, it's so easy to get fixed on the peripherals of our spirituality, the external things, the little things, and forget what really matters. Others shaming other people like they're eating this and they're drinking that and therefore they're more unspiritual or more spiritual than I am because they're doing this or not doing this. And there's this division that happens and it's, it's creating and is creating so much division because of our differences of opinion, majoring on these minor things, these peripheral things. You know, Paul said it in First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, like all things are permissible, but not always beneficial. You know, there are things that are permissible, like you can do them. They aren't harmful for you, but they may not be the most beneficial. And that's what we have to discern is this argument, is this, conflict is it something that uh, is worth the argument worth the conflict like it, it could be permissible but it may not be beneficial to me therefore I have to choose not to push what's beneficial to me onto somebody else therefore creating division. we have to be careful not to make big deals out of or about small issues. At, you know if you've ever been with if you've been with us for some time pre-pandemic, You know, I I think it was, I don't know if it was every week now or once a month. I'm actually forgetting it's been like a few years, but we used to do this thing called team track at the end of every experience or once a month, I think it might've been and uh, where we would bring new uh, visitors and guests along a journey with us, of uh, really discovering who we are, like if they've been coming for some time, what they're a part of, you know, if they're interested in getting involved and participating on team, being part of the team culture. We would really bring them into our values, who we are, what we believe, our foundational principles of truth, or the things that we build on. And we would always say this at the forefront of our team track as Kingdom culture. We'd say, We always want to major on the majors and minor on the minors here at Kingdom Culture. And we would not give you every little thing we believe and opinion about every little topic of society. But we would give you, these are our spiritual pillars. These are our spiritual beliefs that we build on. Everything else, we can have conversations around them, but they're not pillars. They don't shape our culture. They're minor things. We want to focus on the major things the major thing. So the kingdom of God on earth, as it is in heaven, is Jesus's instruction to us and for us. And we see this introduced initially, like I said, in the beginning in Matthew chapter six, as part of instructing the disciples in how to pray. But as new covenant believer believers, this is reflected through his church, his people. Okay. You are the church. The church is not a building. It's the ecclesia in the Greek. It's the people, the called out ones, which is that word, his people on the earth. We have become now as new covenant believers in Jesus in relationship, the gateway to heaven. Why? Because Jesus is within us. He is in us. We are sitting in with him. We are connected as one. We are abiding in the vine. Like John says, we're connected. We're in union, okay? We're spiritually united as one. Therefore, we have an inheritance, Paul says in Ephesians all the inheritance, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And as a result, as we walk, so he walks with us and we become that gate because Jesus is the gate to heaven. He is the door to heaven and he is within us. We are co-laboring with him. We are co-heirs of him. This is the gospel message, the mystery of Christ, okay? This is what Paul recounts and says over and over again to encourage, especially read the book of Colossians, powerful book about our union with Jesus. And so in verse 19, back to our original passage of Romans chapter 14, Paul says, now that you've understood what kingdom life is supposed to taste like, look like, you know, you we're getting through these arguments of peripheral things, eating and drinking. Okay. It's joy, peace, and goodness in the Holy Spirit. Now that we got that out of the way, Paul says, since this is now clear and out of the way, addressing these three important aspects, we can now move on to where we want to go with each other. And as the body of Christ, Romans chapter 14, verse 19, he says this. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Okay, this is the goal, to build each other up. I mean, what better place to do that is in spiritual community. I mean, every time you build up another believer, you're establishing some sort of spiritual community, whether that happens in the local expression of the church, a connect group, hanging out with friends at coffee, inviting somebody over to your house to be hospitable, wherever that is happening, you are the church gathering. And whenever you build somebody up, you literally are doing what Paul is encouraging you to do from the understanding of this is how you build peace, joy, and and goodness in the Holy Spirit. This word for build literally means this. I love this. If you break the Greek word down, it means a building serving as a home. Cause this is this is really what the gospel all is all about is welcoming home people into their original or the original intended purpose of their life. Their home was heaven. They originated in heaven, created by God, who is in heaven, who represents all of heaven, the King of the Kingdom Himself. You were you were originated from there. The reason why the Bible talks in John three verse three, you're born again, because you were already born once. You were born once. You were born of human nature. Okay, you had the spiritual seed of God in you, but you were born of human nature. When you're born again, the Bible says, now you're reborn from above. That was how it always was supposed to be. Because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, everybody after was born now into the state or the spiritual prison of sin, okay? But we had the image of God within us, destined to be adopted as sons, Ephesians says. We were destined to be adopted into the family. We were destined to be welcomed home, but it's up to us, free will, to choose to say, yes, I receive your heavenly RSVP. I receive it. I'm RSVPing to your heavenly invitation Sorry. I'm I'm saying yes to the gospel. When you do that, you're simply aligning yourself with the original intention of who you were always created to be. You're coming home. So I love this. When he says you're building somebody up, it's like it, this word is a building serving as a home. Figuratively, it's constructive criticism and instruction that builds a person up to be the suitable dwelling place of God. I love this. An example is where the Lord is at home. When you build somebody up, when you come to church and we're being built up, come to the local expression of church and we're being built up, we're creating a place called home. When you encourage your neighbor on the phone, you're creating a place called home where their spirit is so enlightened and alive that there's like, there's like a welcoming, there's a welcoming to God in their midst. This verse really sounds like what God is always doing within our spiritual life through the local church, our spiritual community, and personal relationship with him. But in this context, he's specifically addressing it within more of the spiritual community aspect, okay? The definition of a building serving as a home is so powerful as we move forward in any area of light that we want that feeling of home. But there are often many roadblocks to this. Like, there are so many roadblocks... For, for this home reality becoming a reality and experience in our life. Because really, write this down. There is no home where there is strife and division. There is no feeling of home where there is strife and division. In the home, that may happen, but it can't live there forever before division, before breakdown begins to happen. There's no home where there is no peace. There's no home where there is no trust. There's no home where there's no love. There's no home where... Only a few people are carrying the weight. It doesn't feel like home. A house or a home divided against itself, Jesus said these words, simply cannot stand. Where there's division, it cannot stand the long haul. In this rebuilding season for both of us, for both us sorry, uh, as KC and for everyone listening right now, individuals out there, we desire to create that feeling of home. We all desire in our businesses, in our relationships, in our families, like we desire this. We're destined for, this. we're destined to feel like we're at home in any situation. That's what our destination is because we're, we were created from the place that feels the most at home from that heavenly place. We were all origi- We all originated from that place. It says in Psalms 127 verse 1, which is, I believe, our starting point as kingdom people. And it's all the same. It's kingdom. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. This word for in vain and I know I said the builders' uh, work of the builders is wasted. And often in most translations, you, you'd read it as, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. Well, that word for vain or is wasted in the translation I just read means falsely. It could mean lie, lying, vain, vanity, or I love this, uselessness. Uselessness. In other words, unless God is the author, unless he is the source, unless he is the reason why you started what you started, there will be this feeling over and over and over and over again, and may even be a long-term reality, that what you're doing has a uselessness to it. Feels like in vain. Unless the Lord builds, really, unless the Lord is in charge, unless he's at the forefront, unless he's the reason for the season, or he's the motivation, he's the energy behind it, unless all of that is in place, there's going to be vain laboring. It's going to feel like uselessness. Is God the author of your business? Is God the author? Is God the start of your relationships? I'm not saying that we can start out with something not knowing, but in the end, I think we always want to ask ourselves, is everything that our hands are connected to, is everything that we're touching doing, like is God in it? Like does God want us to, because there are things that we can do that God's like, that's good. It's permissible, but it doesn't mean it's beneficial. I want the beneficial stuff because I think the beneficial stuff is the God stuff. The beneficial stuff to our spirit, our soul is the God stuff. The beneficial stuff when it comes to our purpose, our career, our vocation, our relationship as far as intentionality with relationships, when it's beneficial, I believe it's often the most God-oriented and God-sourced and god Motivated, and so you know, I I love this. I I don't think anybody wants to live without significance and purpose, and we don't want to labor in vain. We don't want uselessness to come out of what we are building. And so I know that was a long introduction, but I want to outline three quick pillars today of building with a kingdom perspective in mind in this season. This applies to every and any area, including family, business, your career, the house of God, which is you and I as individuals, spiritual believers and the local expression of the church. And the first pillar to building with a kingdom perspective found in Romans chapter 14 is this, is righteousness. Write that down. Number one is righteousness. Romans 14 verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness. Okay, that word translated usually is righteousness. And it actually means in the Greek, equity of character. It means equity of character or judicial approval. In the New Testament, the approval of God, which is divine approval, referring to what is deemed right by the Lord after his examination or what is approved in his eyes. Listen, the approval of God comes not by what you do. comes not by your behavior. The approval of God is the moment... Jesus puts his finger on you because you've allowed him to. Is the moment he's come into the center of your life because you've allowed him to. The moment you say yes to his forgiveness that he paid for over 2,000 years ago. The moment you lock in to what you were always destined to lock into and say yes and freely let him into become Lord leader, master of your life, in that very moment, you've been declared the righteousness of Christ. You are now in God. You are in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You now are connected as one in unity. If you've rejected Jesus, if you're anti-Jesus, if you're like, I don't believe in this, that's fine. That's your choice. But that disconnect means no matter what you do in life, you will not get God's approval. You have God's approval through the lens of what Jesus has already done for you. He sees you through the act of Jesus on the cross that said, it is finished. What is finished? The the, the rite of passage for you to come into righteousness. He actually gave you access before you ever even received that access. He gave permission to you. He gave you the letter, the invitation, and all you had to do is say yes. That's why it's called the gift of eternal life. A gift is given, but you have to open it. You have to receive it. You have to say, yes, I want it. I don't reject it. I receive it. The moment you do that, you become the righteousness of God in Christ. And kingdom pursuit you cannot go without understanding the value and connection of righteousness. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first, Jesus said this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Without nosediving too deep, and we can go down a major rabbit trail on this and talk about righteousness. So what does it mean? An understanding and a revelation of righteousness and that we are righteous because of what Jesus has done will cause us to live out righteousness or live out righteous living. Often we get so focused on the living part of it that we forget without a proper understanding of who we are, we will not live out the life that God's called us to live, which looks like righteousness. It's one thing to be righteous, have a revelation of righteousness, but then to walk that out day in and day out. It's all about renewing our mind, reminding ourselves who we are. The moment we stop living out righteousness is because we forget who we are. Which is why Paul introduced, or Jesus introduced at the Last Supper communion, to remember. Every time we remember who he is, what he's about, what he did for us, it brings us back into an understanding of how we're called to live. And when we come into that space, that lifestyle will just overflow. It's funny because our venue is called Overflow. Come overflow with us next week, February 6th. That was a shameless plug. Anyways, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Where we have become, okay? Very important. We're not just doing righteousness. We're not just living out righteousness. We've become it. Therefore, that overflows into our living it out. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus, not because of our works, good behavior. We don't get God's approval because look at me, I do all these good things that I hear so many people all the time talking about, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. God accepts me. God, God accepts you, but not because you're a good person. God accepts you because of his son. God accepts you because of his love. God accepts you because you are his creation. Your good behavior has nothing to do with it. Your good works will not get you to heaven. It's the acceptance and the receiving of what his son Jesus did on the cross, both death and resurrection, that actually opens the gate and doorway because God does not want robots. He, he He's given us free will to choose, okay? We can choose life or we can choose de- death. We could choose light or we can choose darkness. We could choose him or we can choose the world. It's up to us. God's given us free will. He's given us a choice. But Romans chapter 3 verse 22, the righteousness is given through faith in Christ to all who what? Believe, who align themselves with that truth. So how does this work? Jesus becomes number one. When he becomes number one, guess what happens? We can stand in confidence that we are in righteousness. When we know who we are, that living out just happens as a byproduct, okay? That living out happens. It's it's the grace of God empowering our lives every day. I mean the foundation, the foundation of G of God's throne, okay? We talk about the king of the kingdom. Think about this picture for a second. The foundation, the concrete blocks of the throne. The majesty of God, the authority of God sits on this. Psalms 89 verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation. Sounds like judicial approval if you ask me. Righteousness and justice, the justice of God. They go hand in hand, righteousness and just. You cannot be righteous without being just. They go hand in hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Love and faithfulness go, are the overflow. We love, we're faithful. We live out this life as an overflow of the foundation of righteousness and justice. So other words, right standing, with God, understanding who you are as the righteousness of God in Christ, right standing with God is the starting point for life in the kingdom. Right living from a right understanding or standing with God is the starting point, the foundation from which we build. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is our righteousness. So number one, we have righteousness and we have number two, peace, second pillar, peace. Write that down. Romans 14 verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, righteousness, okay? And peace. Say it. Peace. Peace. Peace in the Greek could mean to join or tie together into a whole. I love this. An example of this is when all essential parts are joined together. Could mean also prosperity as one. I love this though, an example, when all essential parts are joined together. Interesting because this is how we build. You want to build a healthy organization. You want to build a healthy church culture. You want to build a healthy business. Um, In any vocation, family, when all parts, essential parts, are joined together, walking it out together, that is a representation of peace, which is a pillar of kingdom building. It's a pillar of how we build kingdom life. This is how the house of God is built through peace. The house of God is built through peace. This sounds to me, again, like spiritual community. As he ties it up in the end of verse 19, remember talking about building each other up, that our aim now would be if we have peace and we have righteousness, then now that we got that out of the way, remember Romans chapter 14, verse 19, now that it's out of the way, let our aim be for harmony with each other and then building each other up. I mean, and I want you to write this down. This is really powerful. Peace is our weapon of war against life's opposing forces. Write that down. Peace is our weapon of war against life's opposing forces. Let me just show you what Jesus said in John 14. Uh, By the way, I'm teaching a little bit today, okay? This is not as much like a prophetic. Everything's prophetic if it's from God, but it's not as much of an encouraging message only. It's an encouraging teaching to help us really illuminate our perspective a little bit, give us some real key um, instruction on how to build in this season. John 14, 27. Listen to what Jesus said. Peace, I leave you, my own peace. This is out of the Amplified. I now give you and bequeath to you, not as the world gives Not as the world gives, do I give this to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, listen to this, how he expands on this. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. So, how do we allow ourselves not to be these things? The peace. He connects this idea of like, I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you the the tool to not let yourself be agitated and disturbed, not permitting yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Apply these things to your business, your organization, your family, your relationships, whatever it is that you're putting your hands to in this season. When you have the peace to build, these things become less of an issue. They become a, your peace becomes a weapon of warfare against opposing forces. These are all opposing forces being agitated, being disturbed, being discouraged, like allowing fear to get in, intimidation to get in, cowardice get in, to be unsettled, never satisfied. Nothing's good enough. Nothing's ever good enough. It's never going to hit my tar. I'm never going to hit my purpose. Like I should be further along at this point in my life. And I'm not, listen, when you have peace, those things don't sway you. They don't, they don't um, take away from your journey. They don't sideswipe you because the peace of God is guiding you. You know, when Paul says that God would give us a peace that surpasses our understanding, our understanding is influenced by the way the world has designed what success should be and the timeline should be for your life. But when, it's, when you're living a kingdom life, you can't let the reasoning and the understanding the world gives us be the guide. It's the peace of God that goes beyond our understanding that helps become the guide for our life. I've heard it said before, let peace be your umpire. Let it be your umpire. Let peace be the thing that's kind of guiding you and letting you know when, you, when, when it's a strike and when you can walk and when you can move forward. Kind of the one who's kind of calling the shots measuring what's right and what's wrong for you because our reasoning often gets in. But I know for me, man, this is a powerful, powerful thing for me. I don't want to be that agitated, disturbed person because something is opposing me and I want the peace of God to guide me through it. Let's look at for a second, I love this Old Covenant Temple, the Old Covenant Temple process and origin. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 7. Speaking of David, okay, David was the one who funded the Old Covenant Temple. His son Solomon was the one who actually built it, okay? And so it says here, my son, speaking of Solomon, but David is speaking, I wanted to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, David told him, Solomon. But the Lord said to me, you have killed many men in the battles you have fought. And since you have shed so much blood in my sight, you will not be the one to build a temple to honor my name. Basically, you're going to fund it, but you're not going to build it. Verse 9. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace. You will have a son. Sorry, this, yeah, sorry, God, there's an interaction here. But you will have a son, speaking of Solomon, okay? You will have a son who will be a man of peace. I will give him peace with his enemies in all the surrounding lands. His name will be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel during his reign. He is the one who will build a temple to honor my name. He will be my son and I will be his father. And I will secure the throne of his kingdom for over Israel forever. Now, I love this because we see this right here. What What's going to build the house? Peace. Solomon, his actual name means peace. Peace is going to build the house. He's going to be a man of peace. Solomon's going to build the house. Peace is... Builds the house. It's a core um, aspect of building. It's a core pillar of building anything healthy. Peace builds the house. Let that sink in for a second. Solomon was a man. His name means peace. He's the one who built the Old Covenant Temple. Let that sink in. Peace builds the business. Let's go there for a second. How is your business being built? Is it being built from strife, division, conflict over and over again, or is it being built by peace? Peace builds the family. Peace builds the family. In other words, it grows strength. The strength grows stronger in the family. Peace builds relationships. Peace builds a significant life. And think about this for a second. Where was the temple built? Where was the Old Covenant temple built? In Jerusalem. The name Jerusalem means city of peace. Where was the church plopped in the city of peace? Peace is so important in building. And I remember I had a really encounter, a powerful encounter over a decade ago. And God told me in this encounter that he wanted to make me a man of peace. And that peace would give me access to things that I may not be ready for if I lived agitated, if I lived disturbed, kind of like what John 14 says, if I lived in conflict within my soul, that peace would give me a space or a grace to begin to move into all that God had already promised me. It would give me access. I actually had a, a crazy encounter. That I saw, I saw my future, and I saw what I had access to eventually, but not access to in the now. Because you know, God's given us all the inheritance. Like we have it all already, but we grow into actually tangibly taking hold of things in certain grace periods of our life. We can't handle the 30 years from now blessing, it would crush us. God has to grow us into maturity as sons and daughters before we can actually handle what he wants to give us. And I saw it. I saw the end of my life, like what was available. But there was a, I remember there was a dark cloud over, it was like a shrouded cloud over a huge part of it and I could not access it yet. And God said, I wanna make you a man of peace. This is what's gonna give you access. And I have to say like, I have ward for this. My amazing wife reminds me of this all the time whenever I'm not in peace. She reminds me, did not God say you want to be a man of peace? Like, how's that going for you? Man, it's convicting. And I think about this like almost weekly. I, sometimes I forget about it. But when I'm in those moments where I'm agitated or I'm disturbed or I'm unsettled about something, or I'm feeling the fear or intimidation, I go back to this, God. Like, if I'm going to win in this season, if I'm going to rebuild, if I'm going to build anything in my life, I have to be a man of peace. God, help me. I, I fail I fail over and over again in this area, but there's moments where I win and I feel like, oh, I see how I built in peace there. I see how I moved in peace there and I saw the results that I didn't see in a previous season when I was in fear, when I was in intimidation, when I was struggling with being disturbed or unsettled about something. And so how um, how do we do this? Or, or how does this apply in the context of both natural and spiritual family? Where I wanna say this, we all have a part we all have a place, and we all have a purpose. And if we can remember that in any sphere, if of in any group, in any community, in any local church, in any business, remembering that we all have a part, we all have a place, and we all have a purpose. If God's called you, if the peace of God has led you somewhere, the peace of God has given you what now you have as an amazing family, just know that you have a part, You have a place and you have a purpose. And anytime the enemy comes to tell you otherwise, you just tell him he's a liar because it's just not true. And if he can get you out of that place to believe that lie, he will sideswipe you, take you out, and he will rob you of your ability and potential of experiencing all that God has for you. And, um, you know, I I know for me, like, men, when I feel like it's... There are seasons when it's felt like you're alone. There are seasons where you're like, you're doing everything. And there are seasons where you know, things shift and there's, I would say this, there's the most peace when the load is spread equally. I see this in my family. Like when my kids, since my kids have gotten a little older and are doing chores around the house, carrying the load, you know, cause they have a place, they have a part and they have a purpose in this family. And it's not just to be, you know, Uh, A nine-year-old ten-year-old twelve-year-old five-year-old playing video games having fun like that's good That's awesome, but it's not just all about that. You know, what I'm saying it's about Playing a part in the family being a part of contributing peace and building into the family So when they do the dishes I feel peace (laughs) when they're a part of folding their own laundry I feel peace, you know, this is such a huge part of the aspect of building and I remember you know, interesting, because I, I say this, you know, part to play and purpose and, you know, place. And, you know, the the church that we now lead locally was once a different name. And we, without going into all the details, we received this local church under a different name at one point back in 2012. And it's funny because I don't know what year it was. It might've been like 2008, seven, six, somewhere in there. But my wife shared a story with me where she, you know, she she was on this spiritual journey. She was just serving at conferences, serving at different churches. And and she ended up, because she was working for this cleaning, uh, cleaning uh, business, she ended up, before we took over this church, became the senior leads of this church, before she was even at that church, she actually was cleaning the toilets at the very church, serving God through cleaning the toilets at this very church that she would one day become the senior leader over. Isn't that crazy? It's goes to show you when you play your part, you realize you have purpose in anything you do in every season and you're doing it in peace. You see the prosperity that comes. You see the result. You see the blessing that comes out of just playing your part day in and day out, whether it's as a family member, in a relationship, in a local church expression setting, in a business, who knows? You, the janitor out there that's cleaning the toilet, may one day become the CEO not that being a janitor is bad. You may want to be there forever. That's okay. Be the best janitor that you can be. But who knows? It may just be a part of your promotion, your journey ahead. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you that, that these things that we do, whether for volu- as volunteer or as paid, sometimes feel meaningless. But to remember that we have a part, we have a place, and we have a purpose in all of these things, we just don't know what it's going to do long term. Long term. Find peace where you are, and you will find your place. Find peace where you are, and you will find your place. And and all this, like, why is this important? I know I've kind of said this, but Solomon sends this message to King Hiram in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 5 to 7, speaking of the house he is building, the temple, the old covenant temple that David wanted to build that ended up funding that couldn't build, but his son Solomon would be. He says this, Solomon says this, the house I am building has to be the best. For our God is the best, far better than competing gods. Like, this is the why. We want to create in our businesses, in our families, in our relationships, in our local church expression and all that we do through peace, through righteousness, to create a space where we can offer our best to God. Not to be the best. The thing is, isn't it about, it's not about um, being the best in the city. But it has to be the best it can be. Through our lives. It has to be the best it can be through our contribution. How can we create in every area of our life to offer our best so that whatever is reflected as God in our life, it can be the best. Not just because it's better than somebody else. Once again, that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the best that we can do with what we have. So we have righteousness. We have peace. Number three, write this down. We have joy. We have joy. Romans 14, last point. Romans 14, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of living a life of goodness, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This word means calm. It means delight. Okay? To extend favor or to lean towards, to be favorably disposed. My favorite definition, though, of joy is the awareness of God's grace. It's grace recognized. Joy... Having joy in your relationship with God in life, when it comes to our spiritual life, is simply grace recognized. How does joy come? By recognizing his grace. Because grace is the empowering, the enabling work of God in our life to live out the life God's called us to live. And if we're living up the life God's called us to live, there will be joy. And the only way we get there is grace recognized or grace awareness joy is grace recognized write that down tattoo that on your forehead it's an amazing truth an amazing revelation joy is grace recognized like what if our deepest sadness could be turned around with one realization of his grace or on our toughest day our most frustrated season one encounter and realization of his grace and boom all of a sudden you have joy it makes no sense i mean Like for James to say the encouragement, count it all joy, brethren, when you face trials of many kinds. To say that and to make that, again, who really finds joy in trials? Like nobody. Who finds joy in darkness? Dark times, perilous times. Who finds joy in tribulation? Nobody logically. But when we have a revelation of God's grace Joy can enter into any hard situation and any season and change the equation of your experience, which is what I believe God wants to do. This This is what mature kingdom living looks like. The greatest vaccine, let me just say this, against anything and everything negative in our lives is quickly turned around by an awareness of his grace. You want a vaccine to stop all the stuff coming into your system from tearing your spiritual system apart? You want to protect your system, awareness of grace. Protect your spiritual, your soul, your heart, your spiritual life, and awareness of his grace. Because where there is joy, there is healing. The Bible says that that laughter, which is joy, does good like medicine. The Proverbs, Solomon said that laughter does good like medicine. You want joy, you want healing in your life, and awareness of his grace can turn anything around i remember this one time when 2014 fall 2014 my wife potentially was on her deathbed ranked second to the highest risk emergencies in all of ottawa at the general hospital second to the highest risk emergency went into emergency surgery uh, almost a full day of surgery and uh i remember like being in the stairwell right around this time when this was happening calling one of my staff and being like "Ah, like just a total wreck. Like, I mean, bawling my eyes out. In my mind, I'm becoming a single dad. You know, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna, I, I don't know, I have three kids at the time. Like, how am I gonna, they were all under the age, I think of like, you know, five at that point. And, um, and I'm like, how's this, how's life gonna look? And I was just bawling my eyes out. And I remember this awareness coming over me of God's grace. This awareness coming over me of like, in the midst of all of this, I know God is so good. And I remember like standing up in, this was right before she actually w- went into the uh, surgery room, in the room after I got out of the stairwell and just like praising God. I remember pacing back and forth. I think she was out on some sort of a drug and she was sleeping, praising God. I was just praising God. I had this awareness of his grace and this joy came over me in that moment. And that joy became my assurance that it was all good. And I don't think I would have been able to make it through that season without that revelation. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and as he and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was the joy on the other side of the pain that allowed him to move through. Why? Because he himself was grace realized in the flesh. He was the message of grace made manifest in the flesh, God incarnate. He was grace in wrapped in flesh, literally. John 1 verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So how could he see joy on the other side of the most painful crucifixion known to man or painful way to die known to man? Because he was grace realized. If joy is grace realized, then let's pray for grace for all of us to be at the core of why we rebuild and build in this season. Our businesses, our families, our relationships. Let's implement these pillars of building as a result of an understanding of grace realized. I want to close with this because Paul encouraged this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, speaking of the body of Christ coming together, representing the head speaking to us as a local church in this season as we rebuild. And my prayer for you is that you would find your place as we rebuild, that you would find your part as we rebuild, whether it's maybe once every six weeks, once every eight weeks, once every two weeks, whatever the case it is for you, that you would find a place within the body of Christ so we as a culture can do our best to represent Jesus as the head of his body in this season. Paul closes with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. This was Paul's heart in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, that we build each other up, aiming for harmony and building each other up. Remember, Jesus is the head of his body. His body took the punishment So his church, the body, could come alive and come together and function with one purpose to make his name known. That's why we gather. That's why we build and rebuild together. Jesus didn't die for a lifeless body or a lifeless few to carry the load, but for all of us to join together and become the greatest expression of Jesus himself. And that is my prayer as we move forward in this season as a church community. Maybe you're watching abroad. My prayer for you is that this is how you move forward in your businesses, in your careers, in your vocation, in your family, in your relationships. And so just right now, take a moment, lift your hands wherever you are. I want to pray for you. I wanna pray for a real revelation of what has just been shared to come onto your life. Like I see it like a blanket, like covering you, like shrouding you. God, I pray in this moment, right now, where wherever we're watching that we would see the value of functioning together in relationships, in spiritual community, in organizations, businesses, families, whatever that looks like for anybody watching right now. I pray for a harmony. I pray there would be a mutual building of each other up in Jesus' name. God, I pray for just a blanket, just like I saw, to come on all of us, just like to shroud us, to wrap us in this season of a revelation of how we are called and supposed to build kingdom this next season in Jesus' name. Peace, righteousness, joy. That these would be at the forefront, God. That we'd be able to look and say, I see joy. I see peace. And I see goodness. I see the righteousness being made manifest in Jesus' name. That we'd forget. It's not about what you eat. It's not about what you drink. It's not about all these peripherals. But this it's about these core elements in this next season in Jesus' name. So God, I pray that you do it. I pray that you would shift our perspective. I see somebody watching right now. This is totally going to rearrange how you build business in the next season. It's totally going to rearrange how you build family in the next season. It's going to rearrange how you are building things that you're touching right now or connected to in this season. You're getting a glimpse now into what it looks like to rebuild and build the way that he wants to look for joy look for righteousness, and look for peace in Jesus' name. God bless you, kingdom culture. I know I went a little longer today, but I just pray. I pray that these things would be your word in this next season and that you would see them uh, come into your experience and whatever you're building in Jesus' name. Hope to see you next week, February 6th, for our official launch. Don't tune out just yet. God bless you, and we'll see see you next week. See you next week. See you next week. See you.